0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Indeed, thank you, Jim, for that update about life, love, poetry. Hello, welcome. This is David Eastall, the C86 show, always bringing you the finest in indie pop and much, much more. Um, This week, it is going to be the turn, because we'd love an interview, by the way, of the astronauts... Yes, the astronauts all the way back to the very early '80s a bit punk post punk whatever they were they 're just amazing. This is an interview I did with Mark Ashnaut, I think sometimes goes by the name of Mark Astronaut. I think his name is Mark Wilkins, but anyway, we called him Mark. Um, this is the interview after about five minutes of quality chat and um, I don't know, getting to know each other probably talking about the cat um, yeah, this is the interview, this is where I began by um, asking him about his early formative years and this was Mark's reply Mark, it's over to you take it away
1: first album I ever bought was A Hard Day's Night by The Beatles
0: Right, which is a good one that was, I'm, I was lucky because I, I sort of grew up doing the world of like glam of the early 70s and it could, oh, right. have, it could have been terribly bad, but um, luckily it didn't. So then, were you, so were you sort of then sort of part of that late sixties period? You were sort of, because to be honest, I'm in my mid fifties, so I'm just assuming that you're probably, I don't know how how old you are.
1: I was about and listening to music and going to gigs, then. I wasn't actually playing until the late seventies.
0: Right. And then it all started to happen. So then during the 70s, where you kind of was, was kind of, I suppose we had the glam, we had the prog, and then we had punk. So did punk sort of trigger something in your mind that made you think, I could do that?
1: I mean, I think punk had various functions, but I, I think it enabled people like me, who'd been sort of writing songs in their head and wondering whether they'd be any good, <laughs> to actually act, go for it, because it gave the possibility, even though we weren't strictly punk,
0: Yes. Well, I kind of gathered that when I was talking to Joseph Porter, that um, he probably wasn't punk punk, but it was kind of made him all, and made a lot of people realise, well, actually, we could have a go at that and um, I could play the drums or the bass or, or something. So I guess a lot of people did start to sort of find that. And also at that period, there was a lot of indie labels started to appear and little bands. So when do you when did you get the astronauts together?
1: Um, Initially, about 1977. And it was meant to be for a one-off concert because I'd always fancied playing some songs, and uh, a few of my friends helped me, and then we did the concert, and we got off another, and it sort of kept on going. It was uh, never a, you know there wasn't any career plan.
0: <laughs> no, this is true, this is no. And were you and were you because I was aware, but I was I slightly missed it, so I've had to sort of do this in retrospect, aware of that kind of free festival movement. did you Were you part of that world as well?
1: Um, yeah. To an extent, I mean, not as much as some bands, but we did a lot of stuff down Meanwhile Gardens in London, played Stonehenge and various other places, which I've forgotten about long ago, probably.
0: Yes. And were you living in Squatland? No. Definitely I, not.
1: I was living in suburbia.
0: Right. Even, even well, more, more David Bowie and Susie in the Banshees, really. So then when, because I have interviewed a lot of bands you know, often they spend a few years kind of making a bit of a noise but not going anywhere fast, and then suddenly they have that moment. Did, you, did it take a while for you to sort of develop a sound and know how to make music?
1: Um, that's a difficult one. I don't write music per se. I write it in my head. I have no idea what I'm writing. <laughs> And up for people I people I work with, tell me what chords I've written. Right, <laughs> so I do actually write for music, but I don't sort of write it down, and I don't have any any real formula. Um, as well, if you've heard quite, if you get to hear quite a few of the albums, you'll see that it goes from folk to, you know, there's some reggae bears, there's some punk, some rock, yes, yeah. really. And I've ne- never had any real formula, and some of the songs are a bit unconventional because of because of that. You know, we've done 20-minute songs, two-minute songs, whatever comes into my head, really.
0: Yes, because there, there's some great writers and lyricists, and people like Joseph Porter obviously comes to mind because his lyrics are amazing, but then there's other people... Who could write amazing songs about their emotional state, like Ian Curtis, and then you had Marky Smith from The Fall. I mean, did you were you also somebody who loved poetry and words and
1: fiction? I, I I wasn't much of a fiction reader. I do like poetry, but not my main influence. I must admit was always music rather than poetry. Right. So um, I wrote, I, I, but luckily I managed to get some lyrics together and people liked them so that was good <laughs> <laughs>
0: and when you and when, and when you started when you first started singing on stage did you feel quite amazed because it must I mean I've never done it so I could imagine if you wrote the lyrics and then stood there with a mic in front of an audience
1: uh, I virtually had to be shoved on stage I was so nervous and um, you- and, uh, yeah, the first gig was weird because it ended up in a lot of violence. So it, was, it wasn't a, a great beginning to a career. <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> oh, my God.
1: A that... load, load of merchant Navy people came in and picked to pick a fight with the punks. And uh, I was neither in the Navy or a punk, so I, I escaped. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, that's a always...
1: you know, yeah, good fun going on stage. Once I got on, you know, we went on with it and went okay
0: yes and then
1: offered another gig and then a record i thought oh this is going further than i thought it might
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's yes i don't think many people really have that sort of idea that it might be almost a life if not a career in music so how did it so when you got your first album together which was right on the beginning of the 80s peter pan hits the suburbs did that take a while to to get going
1: I had a lot of songs already, but I dumped some and wrote some new ones. Uh, it didn't really take that much time. Uh, we were working fairly fast. We did it with uh, Grant Showbiz, who went on to Bigger Things, and uh, a, a, a place called Street Level Studios in Warwick Warwick Avenue, which was run by people from here and now. Right. And uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, uh, to be honest, I didn't really know what I was doing, so we went in there and... Uh, just recorded this album and it turned out to be quite a cult album over the years.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) And it was released, and it's it. Looking back on it now, I mean, I don't think I could make an album like that again. It's a lot of very innocent album, but a, a sort of let's try anything and see what happens, you know. And I think it worked.
0: Yeah. And and when you know, during the eighties and I've noticed this with quite a few bands, they have a a lot of bands have that five year narrative. They they get together, spend about eighteen months kind of making a sound. And not all bands, but a lot that I've interviewed have often had that John Peel moment where he gets he gives it a spin, they do a session, they do the album, things are going generally well. Then the second album, a bit tricky, then and then you know if they ever do america they come back broken but they spend like 24/7 for 5 years making music and in the 80s you sort of brought out a, a lot of work so did you have a, a sort of a lineup within the band who was very stable at that stage
1: um no, the most stable lineup is nowadays, more or less, actually. But at that time, it shifted about. Uh, you can hear it in the records as well. There was a sort of folky, app, folky thing with the violin. And then we went much heavier, really, and then into spacey stuff. Yeah. And towards the end of the decade, like one side of the album at the end of the decade, was virtually sort of ambient and weirdness, you know, really experimental. So it went all over the place, really. But it wasn't a set line-up much. that lasted more than a couple of years at the time.
0: Yeah, and and the album, that nah, I'm,
1: like nowadays,
0: yes, and the album that I'm looking at on just by my side is the classic '83 album, which is obviously the one that everyone wants to talk about. It's all done by Mirrors. What's your memory yeah. of putting that together?
1: Well, initially, three of the tracks were meant to be a twelve-inch single, and we couldn't find anybody to put it out. So we expanded it, and all the Madman records, who were basically the mob, and Joseph was involved with them as well. And they sort of offered us, a, uh, you know, to put it out. So we put it out, really. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but side one was more professionally recorded than side two, because we ran out of money. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, what, and was it your idea? Because side one is t- titled extrovert, side two introvert. Did you, um, was this a concept that you had at the beginning?
1: Um, it was really, yeah, that side one was going to be more upfront and accessible in a way. Because uh, after Peter Pan, I wanted to try just uh, almost as an exercise to write something more precise. Uh, Peter Pan I liked, but it was quite rambling in its own way, so I, so I wanted to try and write sort of six songs which were not exactly commercial but accessible, but yes. still over lyrical and musical sort of ambiguities as well.
0: Yeah, and did you enjoy the recording process at that stage?
1: Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a big sort of studio buff. And I tend to get bored sometimes, but uh, the recording process was all right, yeah.
0: Yes. So when, because then on the next album, it, it gets even more kind of experimental and you could almost call it art rock because you then feature on the saxophone the one and only Cox Coxhill. So, yeah. Yeah. so that must have been an exciting kind of introduction or not introduction, but an addition to, to the music and the band and the, and the sort of soundscape.
1: Well, Lol played on mirrors as well, actually. He was on Behave Yourself and another track. So he actually played on It's All Done By mirrors
0: Right. Okay, then.
1: And Nick Turner from Hawkwind played on Peter Pan.
0: Wow. So we, I was just going to say, during that time, you must have picked up an audience quite big because... Cause having you know, looking back at the eighties, it was it was a kind of a political. it was a very angsty period. It was kind of politically driven and there was the sort of Rock Against Racism and then there was the kind of Red Wedge movement and there was lots of things to do with the SWP and then we were eating T V P and drinking barley cups. So were you were you aware of that kind of slightly free festival movement that that obviously
1: Oh, yeah, I was aware of it. I mean, I put out a single for Rock Against Racism, albeit um, not under the name The Astronauts. It came out under restricted hours. And that was from Stephen is Rock Against Racism. It was an EP. Yes. And also, we did a gig with a band called The Redskins for Red Wedge.
0: Oh, my God, I love The Redskins. <laughs>
1: Uh, and that was yeah we, 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 oh it wasn't sorry it wasn't Red Wedge it was uh, my, minus Princess
0: right of course we had the Falklands who could forget the Falklands <laughs> God. yeah Happy days, happy days. So as the 80s were trucking on, how were you sort of also dealing with, because the one thing that, you know, kind of gets bands is is kind of like there's the dynamic amongst themselves, and then there's that tricky world that is the admin and publishing. So were you able to sort of work out and pick up how this all functioned? Because obviously you are the astronauts, and I just wondered what that that was like, being being the sort of, I wouldn't say you were the Marky Smith of the band, but you were a bit more like the Joseph Porter of the pattern, weren't you?
1: Yeah, at the time, yeah. I think that's changed now, but at the time, very much, yeah. Um, how did I deal with it? Yes. I didn't, I, it's very much day to day what happened, really. I didn't have any sort of great, I've never been much of a businessman. <laughs> and I, I just sort of muddled my way through it, it's the best way of putting it, I suppose. Yes. And people offered us gigs and people offered to do stuff. And I said, yes. <laughs> and, uh, but I, there was a constant thing of trying to move the music forward and trying to do different stuff all the time. I didn't want to be my own tribute act, you know.
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. And and as a creative artist, how were you finding bringing out, you know, work, work dealing with the sort of that side of, of sort of writing, I suppose, poetry to music?
1: Um. Can you sort of amplify that question a bit? Yes. Well, I
0: was uh, I was just going to say because obviously there must be, I say must be, there might not be, but but creating another album and another single and sort of coming up with ideas, I just wondered how that was also developing as you were sort of realise that you'd gone from just wanting to play one gig to thinking, my copy we done an album. And now we're sort of halfway or midway through the 80s and we've sort of now got another album to do. It's, you know, as an example, like you were in 86, you brought out Soon. And I just wondered how, how that creative kind of world was also, de- you were dealing with that as well, sort of, because I noticed with a few artists, they don't seem to have any problem, you know, writing, recording, and sometimes bands get a bit stuck. And I just wondered how that was for you.
1: I never had much of a problem creating material. In fact, there's a lot we didn't use. I think I, I think for creative process, I started with an, an album called In Defence of Compassion, which arguably I think is my best album. Um, really looking at sort of different ways of doing things. So side one was all songs, and side two was experimentation. You know, and uh, I think the creative process is always there, but it comes. songs come into my head. Basically, I'll get a line of melody or a line of something else, and then it will develop from there. And it can either develop into a two-minute song or a twenty-minute monster, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and obviously, you've never been worried, scared to to sort of play with, with a longer, you know, with a a longer track, you know, almost in that sort of free form, sort of, you know, I wouldn't psychedelic fusion sort of sound as well.
1: No, I like doing. I like the psychedelic fusion, and also I don't. Tracks are as long as they need to be, really. Sometimes they're short, sometimes they're long. But I don't, in advance, think, on, um, you know, this one's going to be ten minutes long or two minutes long. Unless, occasionally, we've been asked to write a single. And there's one called Constitution, which was um, delir- deliberately written as a single, for example. But on the whole, I just, whatever comes into my head.
0: Yes. And when you know, because the one thing that I realised during the eighties that one had to slightly, sort of, um, unlike now, actually it's just like now, isn't it? Um, you know, you you are either sort of on the left or the right. I suppose it's a bit more complicated now, isn't it? But but did you sort of you know because we had the sort of miners, it had been the fault and the miners, you know, red wedge, and then we had the poll tax kind of trund, trundling up. So a lot of bands had a almost you know if you signed up to left you you sort of certainly got a lot of benefit gigs so you must have been sort of in demand because that's when I saw you at the in Norwich you know an anti poll tax gig.
1: we broadly did a lot of left-wing benefit courses yeah and um, my sympathies were broadly with the left yeah
0: (laughs) so when you brought out in defense of compassion which was kind of the end of the decade there was a bit of a gap after that before you did up front and sideways was there kind of a, a reason for that for that sort of you know, but, like space.
1: No, the gaps, when anybody asks me to do something, I'll do it. The gaps are purely that nobody's asked me to do anything. <laughs> so we wait, for, we wait for an offer, really.
0: Yes, because I guess this isn't, because cause with a few bands, and this is, this is the bit that is always a bit tricky, I suppose, there was a lot of bands I've interviewed, you know, that get the John Peel, the NME kind of moment, and that doesn't last for long. They often get it and then, you know, those those publications like the nme have a favour of the month and they go john peel often just has a i like that album but i'm not going to probably play your next one did it, you didn't really get those kind of those kind of um i don't know elevated moments did you
1: oh uh, we've ba- been played on john peel about four times over the years but um we didn't have the sort of um as you say, for sort of career prospects and things like that, no.
0: I just wondered, you know, oh, well, that's great, though, you know, because I know a few people, when I mentioned the the JP, they just go, he hated us, and it was like, oh, I'm really sorry. You know, I know, you know, it's like at the time I wasn't aware that certain bands, you know, didn't sort of, court favor and I realize it's kind of you know because in the 80s and, and probably the 90s you did have these gatekeepers that was so they had so much control and influence and and if you managed to get through the gatekeepers you would then have that big exposure I mean the NME you know was a weekly and it had a, something like print run of 100,000 so you know a good review there would, would give people that huge kind of stage wouldn't they?
1: But unfortunately, a lot of places like the NME and Sounds, I mean, we were given a really good review for an LP and Sounds once, and it was dropped because they were were told to review another album instead. And I think it was very much influenced by how much record companies were asking them to do it. Right. Indie stopped meaning independent sometime around the (laughs) mid-80s.
0: Yes, this is very true, actually. And the one thing that really sort of knocked a lot of bands out that I have interviewed was kind of that musical scene changing and I'm guessing this didn't really kind of come into your orbit but a lot of bands who had sort of picked up in the 80s and were thinking we've got this really nice sound and then suddenly the dance scene came along and unless you were going to become dancy and become like the happy mondays or stone roses or the soup dragons it was like actually you know your old hat and then a few years later you had grunge and then a few years later you had brit pop were you sort of a kind of ever looking at those kind of musical scenes thinking oh perhaps we might be a bit influenced by that um
1: i, d- I didn't think we'd be influenced we just plowed our own furrow really and essentially we are peripheral to any fashion trends and musical trends. I, I, obviously I was aware of dance stuff because we played with people like RBF and Back to the Planet and I was aware of Britpop and I quite liked some of it but I wouldn't say it particularly gave me any sort of incentive to do a certain style. I think we I just carried on and the people liked it, they did and if they didn't, they didn't really. <laughs> yes. And then and people were worried about that we weren't fashionable, then that's their problem because um, I don't think we were old hat cause we were never really, I don't know, never new hat
0: <laughs> yes, And and you know, looking at your sort of output and, and career, you have you have become one of the great survivors in this world. Have there ever been periods where you thought I've just had enough, I'm gonna just drop the whole music world or or have you has it always been there and you've just always been holding the sort of baton that is the astronauts?
1: I've never really thought of stopping. I've had periods when I've uh, been less active than others, but I've never really thought of stopping. I think as long as you carry on writing stuff and you're interested in what you're doing, then you've got, to, you know, you've got to carry on. I wouldn't have wanted to play the same. Like, I wouldn't be wanting to do songs off mirrors every gig now. You know, I've got new stuff to do. Yes. And I appreciate that they've become... Because um, at the time, they weren't really that well noticed. I think they've become more noticed in the last decade, to be honest. <laughs> you know. I don't know whether it's a thing that people remember it from their youth or maybe at the time it wasn't too trendy, but now they can listen to it less, more objectively, you know.
0: Yeah, this is true. Because you have got a new album that is going to be coming out, which is kind of the first one since One Wave, which was yeah. 2012, the year of the, the the Olympics in this country when everything was looking so rosy. So so have you been, Has this is this kind of coming out very soon?
1: Well, I don't know. We did release it to coincide with the Olympics, so I thought we ought to, you know, make an effort.
0: is <laughs> <But>, uh... <laughs> true, actually.
1: Uh, yes. Uh, it, it should be out in a few, uh, about a month's time. Yeah. It's all
0: there and rocking. And with your current six lineup,
1: six is Two it... long tracks and six short tracks. Pardon? Two long tracks and six short tracks.
0: Right. And how long did it take to record? Um,
1: hmm. It... It was recorded. We, we, we did for long tracks a few years ago, actually, and we did for short tracks this year. So it, it was recorded in two bits. Right. And, and we found somebody to put it out. It's called It's Got a Garden.
0: Oh, okay, then.
1: And it's on vinyl, CD and online.
0: Fantastic. You must be excited. And with your current lineup, is this kind of your most exciting kind of band that you've had for a long time?
1: This current lineup's really good, yeah.
0: Do you, has it taken a while? Because often, because I did speak to Joseph about it, and he's a lot happier now with the band than he's ever been because he feels like he's kind of, you know, it's kind of more his and, you know, it's just got a better vibe. I just I, want...
1: I don't think the band is more mine. In fact, I think it's more shared nowadays. I think we all put ideas in but it's definitely more relaxed than we all get on I mean there were some sort of you know problems in the 80s sometimes with members but uh, I think it's all settled down yes and, uh, now I can be a bit more sort of reflective about it you know and I, I know what I'm doing
0: yeah because I've sort of speaking to quite a few people who are now playing music and I suppose a few have just kind of They've had a complete break and then they've come back and they're thinking, right, let's do it. And and almost within the members thinking, can we just have a nice time? Shall we just knock the drugs and the drink on the head and just play music? And let's not sort of get in, got get in each other's way emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Has that sort of also been something that's happened with you and your band, not just you?
1: Um I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm a lifelong teetotaler, so I, I can't really speak for drink. But um, I think it's more relaxed now. It, it, but the band were a lot younger than me as well, so it's a sort of slightly different. They come from a slightly different era, you know. Yes. So we uh, we, we obviously haven't got shared experience of the seventies and things like that.
0: Which must be a relief. <laughs>
1: Um, in some ways, yeah. Yes.
0: And you've got quite a few dates, you've got a few dates coming up, including, you know, one in Greece, which is quite extraordinary.
1: Well, the one in Greece, I mean, the Greek thing was, I never knew I was a popular, well, not popular, you know, but had a bit of a following in Greece. And, um, until the 90s, really, when somebody came over and offered to release Peter Pan. And, i. Um. Uh, I said, well, if you want. I thought it was a bizarre idea at the time. But yeah, I said, go ahead and do it. And then it sort of all happened. And uh, we found we had this audience in Greece. Yes. Maybe, because in Britain, things, as you said earlier on, they are influenced a certain amount by what NME is writing about. So you had your sort of various, you know, as you say, the sort of, C-86 was a scene in itself, wasn't it? It was. It came, and then it became New Wave, New Wave, and then Grunge, and new
0: grunge and and Britpop and all that kind of stuff yes well that that is you know that is true and also I mean have you managed to archive your material and sort of have it kind of easily accessible because that's something that a lot of people think god I'd really like to just make sure we've got it all nicely not just packaged to sell but just so that it's kind of there for people to be able to access
1: no, it's good, but people—it's good, but it's being re-released, and people are discovering it all the time. There's people listening to Peter Pan now who, you know, frankly weren't born. I don't know why I said frankly weren't. Who weren't born. <laughs> 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 Yes. Um, so it, it, it does go down, and I think people now—they listen to it differently. It's not part of a scene; it's an album, and it, you know, they—they they listen to it as it is, rather than as part of the free festival scene, you know.
0: Well, that's, that's an interesting thing, because I sort of have found myself feeling like there's less baggage when I listen to something now, just because it's it's kind of, I suppose, in retrospect. But it's and it's not about being heritage and all looking back at a golden time. It's just like it doesn't have that it's in or out. And and somehow you can just listen to the music and appreciate it appreciate it for what it is rather than thinking oh my god it's that scene and am I in that scene or am I not do I wear the right jumper have I got the right hairstyle (laughs) you know it's it's less it's less complicated now because sometimes when I used to go to certain gigs you think god I'm not I don't really dress like a punk but I feel a bit uncomfortable now because I'm not sort of fitting in
1: Oh, in the early gigs, I was well aware that we were playing a lot of punk gigs and I wasn't dressed in black and had spiky hair, but that was part of the fun. <laughs> and that comes down to the eternal debate of what is punk, is it? You know, And that punk is what it what people want it to be, really. Yes. and Because uh,
0: cause having sort of, you know, looked back on Joseph and Blythe Power's career and sort of thinking, my God, you're just a genius. Are people starting to look at your sort of output and sort of looking at it in a way that you think, well, you, you could be the Leonard Cohen of the sort of, I don't know, the underground almost. You know, I just wondered if you get more appreciation now with age.
1: I think you do, yeah. I think you do. And um, people look retrospectively. And we, I have been compared to various people. And, and uh, yeah, it's quite flattering when that happens. I, I, wouldn't, would... I wouldn't be so bold as to compare myself to anybody. You know, I just do my own thing. But it's nice when people do appreciate it retrospectively and, you know, see appreciate the songs and the lyrics and
0: that yeah yeah well it's a, it's a great thing because I, I do sort of i'm one of those people who's you know starts to really i just enjoy archiving now in life and i just realise when you look at some people's work you think actually that's kind of there's kind of moments of, of absolute genius in there and and your sort of work and you know there are albums and there are tracks that are just like wow that was absolutely amazing at the time i suppose there was a lot of it around as well and you just kind of you know, I suppose we were the same as kids today, aren't we? You know, things just come and go, and you you sort of have a sort of limited attention span, and don't always appreciate stuff. And then sort of you look back and you look at the artwork and you think that's amazing. And then you look at the lyrics and some of the musical arrangements and you think actually that was pretty incredible. So I just I'm just kind of pleased that you're sort of getting a bit more recognition for some of the earlier work.
1: Yeah, I, I'm pleased as well. I I'd like I I'd like I I'd like people to hear the latest stuff as well. I mean, I'm not, you know, it's it's good the only stuff is heard, but I think I've written just as good stuff since.
0: Yes. And yeah. do you and do you feel that um, the music and the lyrics are still sort of coming as easily now as they did back then?
1: Maybe not quite as fast, but I'm still writing quite a lot. Yeah.
0: Excellent. And
1: uh, yeah, I mean, I still enjoy doing it and things, yeah.
0: Brilliant. And um, just lastly, what would you say to your 18 year old self that was kind of starting out in, a, in the world of life and creativity?
1: Get the right jumpers and haircuts. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, what do I say to my 18 but may, Maybe sort of like keep a bit more of an eye on what you've done and keep more of a scrapbook because somebody's writing a thing about me at the moment and he's asking me all sorts of things and everybody seems to remember things better than I do <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> yes so are you having a Is, is it one of? because I've noticed that 30 years is a period of time that passes that a lot of people start thinking oh we must make a documentary or write something so are you also having a, either a documentary or a book written about you
1: there is a documentary about me online, but it has been for about three or four years. It's I'm, called Autumn Days with Mark Astrol. It's a 45-minute documentary.
0: I'm glad that I, my research was that good that I missed it. <laughs> oh and there's
1: a lot of stuff also, which I did. I don't, have you heard stuff on our band camp?
0: I did sort of have a look at that. I looked at your the discography and on on sort of Facebook as well. So Bandcamp is your other go to place.
1: Yeah, if you go to Bandcamp. There's a lot of stuff that didn't come out other than in fairly limited sort of run CDs.
0: Excellent. Well, I will check that out.
1: But all look, a new world there. <laughs>
0: yes, I know there are there are certain places. Perhaps I need to Google better in life. Anyway, look, Mark, this has been great. And, and so, look, thank you ever so much. And thank Dominic as well for setting yeah. this up. No, that's really good.
1: It's a, um... When can we hear it? Is it a
0: podcast? Well, yes. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, I do a sort of radio show, but I also podcast these things as well. So what I'll do is I'll put it together, and when I have got it done, I will send you the link, and then you can just use it on your astronauts page if you want to, and um, people can okay. listen to it around the world. And yeah, uh- so I always archive these interviews actually, so that people can hear it. And um, like I said, the one with Joseph was quite sweet because, um, yeah, you know. I knew a-
1: uh, Joseph when he, he used to be a roadie for the mob many years ago when we first started. When we, when we were on the free festival scene, we did a lot of stuff with Here and Now and ATV as well.
0: Okay. Uh, yes.
1: Right, a bit of touring with those bands. And uh, I met Joseph when he, he was. Um, he, I'm not sure he's roadie actually. He was more of a sort of companion. Yes. Well, he, and Benny eventually joined him. So I've known him quite a few years ago. And he, he carried on more on the straight folk. Rock thing than I did. I must admit. Yeah. I—I I always wanted to expand more musically. I suppose.
0: Yeah. Well, I suppose having Cox and Coxhill sort of on saxophone, or you
1: know. was a bit of a legend.
0: Yeah. Well, absolutely. Well, I—I I sort of come from the sort of East Anglian area, so we used to have the kind of Barsham and Albion fairs, and there was quite a sort of hippie scene around here, so. Um, there was uh, there was members of the third ear band who live oh, in this yeah. area as well.
1: Third ear band, I remember them.
0: <laughs> yes, well, I think one of the members who it's the woman in the band, and I can't Ursula, I think Plank. Yes, that's the one. She lives in this area, which I I actually did an interview with her last year, all this year. So um, yes, experimental jazz fusion, psychedelic rock. We loved it.
1: No, I like I like. I like all that. And uh, obviously, and the other thing, I think you were talking just going back to the beginning of punk. I think the thing that enabled it was um friends of mine were also in bands and they sort of helped me out as well at the time. Yes. And did um, you,
0: and I was just, just lastly, I mean, the one thing that sort of was obviously quite sort of popular at that stage was the ranty poet. And there was quite a few, weren't there? And did Did that sort of scene also inspire you as well?
1: Um, To an extent, yeah. I I was always more of a um, song man than a poetry man, to be honest. I've done a few (laughs) bits where I've read out lyrics, but essentially they are lyrics and they are meant to be heard to music. Yes. And um, sometimes they're read in isolation. They don't really work as poetry, where, again, you can get into the concept of what is poetry, I suppose. But, you know... (laughs) This Um, is true... But but I do, yeah, I mean, I know people like a tell of a stockbroker and people like that.
0: Yes, and
1: Jules. <laughs> like, yeah, I did a gig with Jules years ago, Um long, long time ago at um, Wellington City, I think. Well, absolutely.
0: And well, we've
1: got a few things coming up. Uh, can I just give them a quick mention while we're yes, here? Yes,
0: well, I was, yeah, definitely. I was just having a um, little look. But um, yes, which ones have you also got there?
1: We've got Brighton at the Prince Albert on the 19th of October, and that's a, that's a matinee gig, so people can come and have fun and get home and go to bed in good time for the next day. <laughs> that's at 1pm with Aspo Derek.
0: Okay, and this is at the, yeah, what's what the date again?
1: Uh, it's Saturday the 19th of October. Excellent. And, and what... one to be confirmed at Sunday the 3rd of November at Club 85 in Hitchin. Oh, I've just been told it is confirmed. It right. is
0: confirmed. And then on the 9th of November, you're going to... This is the one in Athens, Greece.
1: That's Athens at the Anne... Is it A-N or Anne? Anne Club. Anne Club. Oh, I don't know, it could be A-N. Could be A-N, could be Anne. Yes. <laughs> we can have a debate about this later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. And then uh, on, the se- on the 7th of March, 2020, you play with Blythe Power.
1: Yeah, that will be... Um, long time since we played them, really, because we used to do loads supporting Bly Power. Or
0: yeah. Be able to... yeah. Yeah. A classic. Have you got any other dates? There'll
1: be a London one around. There'll be a London Orange. one, yeah. yeah. With Zounds. Yeah, there'll be a London one with Zounds sometime around that time as well.
0: Oh, God, yes, of course. It was the new album. Brilliant.
1: This and is... I think Peter Pan's been re-released yet again on blue vinyl, from what I've heard.
0: People are loving the vinyl, aren't they?
1: I know. As long as you say vinyl, if you to go to a shop and ask if they have records, they look at you and you have to say vinyl nowadays, you know. Yeah. vernacular.
0: This is <laughs> true. But this is good. Well, Mark, thank you. And thanks the band as well for um, sort of just fixing this up. With, yeah. With
1: no, I, I have no idea about all this technology. I'm just sitting here and Don's operating it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank Don um, for that. That's brilliant. Well, thank you again. Is that okay?
1: Yeah, and I'll give you my number if you have any further inquiries or questions. You've yes. give you give me my phone number, yeah? Okay, then. It's 078. Yeah. 366. Yeah. 200. Yeah.
0: 42.
1: 42.
0: Okay, then.
1: Don't broadcast
0: that. Yeah, uh-huh. don't, don't broadcast that, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, that's brilliant. Well, I've got that. I've got I've made a note. But this is good. Well thanks again um to all of you for that and um I'll I'll keep in touch and I'll tell you when I've put this out and that will be very soon.
1: Okay, thanks very much. Thank okay then,
0: so. take care everyone. Right, bye bye. Bye.
1: See you later. See you.